All right, welcome back to another episode of the Year of Plenty podcast, the show to help you get closer to your food source and learn the skills to make every year a year of plenty. In today's episode, I'm going to unveil some of the top tips and tricks that will help you grind burger meat like a pro. These are tips I've discovered over the years, as well as insights from my friends who are seasoned chefs and hobby butchers. But before I get into the details, let me just share a quick word for my podcast sponsor, Montana Block. They are offering you a 15% discount on all of your products for being a Year of Plenty podcast listener. How awesome is that? If you don't know, Montana Block is a small family-owned business from Billings, Montana, right around the corner from me here. They make top-quality handcrafted wooden kitchen utensils like end-grain butcher blocks, specialty cutting boards, and magnetic kitchen knife holders. So I actually just got a magnetic kitchen knife holder from them. Really solid, all American-sourced materials. They only use American wood, American glue. It's pretty awesome. That's probably my favorite part about them. But as you can see here in the video, the uh, I got a cleaver, a heavy butcher cleaver here, and it easily sticks to this magnet, and it holds it in place really well. So definitely recommend something like this. If you have really cool kitchen knives, you want to show them off, or you just don't have a drawer space for them, put them on the wall. You know, they deserve a spot on the wall, in my opinion. So if you're looking for new wooden utensils for your kitchen, definitely check out Montana Block. Their website is emptyblock.com and use the code year of plenty for 15% off. Again, that's code year of plenty for 15% off their entire selection. All right, let's talk about grinding meat at home. Grinding your own burger meat at home is an awesome and rewarding experience. If you, like me, are striving to provide nourishing food for yourself and your loved ones, you know, while also becoming more resilient, you'll quickly discover that burger meat is a great way to achieve this. I love burger meat, especially fatty burger meat. The fattier, the better. You know, its high caloric value and nutrient density make it an invaluable food source and dietary staple for me. And the best part about making it yourself is that you have full control over the meat, how it's handled, and what ingredients go into it. That can't be said for stuff you buy in the store or when you bring it to a meat grinder or meat processor. Plus, you know, you can tailor the meat to fat ratio to your liking. And personally, I've been really enjoying experimenting with a bunch of different combinations. In the past, I've done 50-50 blends. Right now, I usually do like a 20% fat and 80% meat blend. That's uh, usually then gives me a pretty fatty um, meat or burger meat at the end. Although, you know, 50-50 can also be pretty cool, especially like when I was doing a lot more of a keto diet, the 50-50 came in handy because it was easy to get my daily fat intake in like that. Right now, one of my favorite approaches is uh, also blending wild gay meat from deer and elk with fat sources from grass-fed, grass-finished cows. I get that from a local butcher, um, Hunt, the meat, obviously myself, but the fat comes from a local butcher and uh, a local farm here, not too far away. So that's pretty awesome. And then, you know, you have it ready in your freezer to thaw whenever you need it, which is usually every day for us here at our house. But, you know, making your own burger meat at home is a constant learning process. It, uh, it, it is relatively easy, but there are several essential steps you need to follow to ensure a high quality end product and make the experience enjoyable rather than frustrating. 
trust me, I've been there and done that. And, uh, you know, this is why I'm going to provide some tips and tricks now to help you level up quickly. So here's my first tip. Keep meat grinder parts and the ingredients ice cold. This is the most important thing. The cold is really your best friend throughout this whole entire process. And when I asked a bunch of my friends who grind their own meat, this came up over and over again. They all said the same thing. Definitely keep everything as cold as possible. So first of all, the meat and fat should be partially frozen and not fully thawed, especially the fat. If you let the fat thaw too much, the meat grinding process is going to be a nightmare for you. And it'll take way longer than it has to. You know, it'll end up clogging your entire grinder and you'll spend a lot of time periodically cleaning it while you should be grinding more meat and fat. It's a hassle. But if you do keep that meat and fat somewhat frozen throughout the entire process, you shouldn't run into this issue. And this can be, you know, particularly challenging if you're doing a big batch, like a big batch of meat and fat. Uh, if I'm grinding a big batch, I usually have to keep some of the partially frozen meat and fat in the refrigerator, and then I'll only grind a small batch of that big batch at a time. That way, I don't have all the meat and fat that I'm not currently grinding sitting out and thawing while I'm grinding some other smaller batches. It's just so much better to keep it in the fridge. Or sometimes if you have a big enough chest freezer with space, you can just place it for a little bit into the, uh, into the freezer while you're grinding your smaller batch. Along those lines, you will also need to make an effort to really keep all of your meat grinder parts ice cold. I like to place all my meat grinder parts into the freezer for about an hour before I get started. But, you know, beware here that as you grind the meat and fat, your meat grinder parts are also going to warm up. And a hot tip here is to wrap ice packs around the neck of the meat grinder to keep it nice and cold throughout the entire process. That was a big one for me, a total game changer when I figured that one out. And finally, the best way to get around all of this, you know, all of the meat and fat and meat grinder parts warming up is to make your burger grind in a cold environment. So that way you don't have to worry about any of that. Okay, moving on. My second tip is to properly prepare your ingredients before grinding. So what does that mean? Well, besides keeping your ingredients cold, you should cut the meat and fat into small chunks to make it a lot easier for your meat grinder to work them through. But, you know, if you freeze the meat after processing the animal and then you plan to like grind the meat on a different day, which is what I usually do, I recommend keeping the meat in big chunks instead of a small piece when you go freeze them. That way, you know, if you, if God forbid you get some sort of freezer burn while it's in the freezer before you can grind it, you can uh, take those bigger chunks and while they're still like partially frozen, you can easily shave off some of that freezer burnt meat. And, you know, when I'm pulling out the already cut meat with the free freezer burn on it, it's really, really tough to trim and you're going to lose a ton of meat. That's why it's just so much better to freeze the meat in bigger chunks and then you know if god again if god forbid you get a freezer burn you can just trim it off nicely now like i mentioned i usually cut the par frozen meat into cubes before i actually go grind it but next time i'm gonna try a new method something that i learned from my friend john d and what he usually does is that he takes the par frozen meat and instead of cutting it into cubes how i usually would he cuts it into long strips and according to him, this like really makes it easier to feed the meat through the grinder and it just gets less clogged. So yeah, it was I thought that was really unique and I'd never heard about that before. So next time I'm definitely going to try that out. Also, 
Consider trimming off all the thick silver skin, sinew, and tendons from the meat while you process the animal. Removing the silver skin, the sinew, the tendons, it's just going to make the whole grinding process much, much faster and easier on your grinder. Although, you know, I usually don't follow this tip. I keep sinew and the tendons on. Well, you know, why? There is a nutritional benefit for keeping sinew and tendons on in your grind. Uh, those parts of the animal have a lot of collagen and other nutrients, so I tend to keep it on because, for one, we in my in our house we want to we want more nutrient dense burger grind, and second, our grinder is strong enough to actually handle all that sinew and whatnot. If you do only have a smaller grinder, I would definitely take it off for more efficiency, though. So we will get back to the episode in just a bit. I just wanted to jump in real quick to let you guys know how you can best support the Year of Plenty podcast. If you get value from the show, please consider doing a monthly donation on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Otherwise, if you're more into the one-time donations, you can leave a donation for however much you think is fair over at my Buy Me A Coffee page. Both platforms will be linked in the episode description. Also, please share an episode with your friends or on social media. Doing that will let other foodies like you and I discover the show and come along for the ride. And finally, if you want to connect with me personally, head over to my Instagram, which is at Wheeland. Follow me over there and let's get a conversation started. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much for your support. Let's get back to the episode. Okay, now on to tip number three. Don't overwork your meat grinder. It's really best to stay within the bounds of what your meat grinder can actually handle. Meat grinders come in many different shapes and sizes, and if fast and efficient grinding is your goal, I would stay away from any like manual hand-cranked grinders. I can see the allure for using one. You know, it's like a traditional method of grinding meat, but it really can be a hassle. So go with like an electric or com commercial meat grinder. It just offers a faster and safer way to grind the meat. And the strength and size of your motor there is really going to impact the efficiency and what you know your grinder can handle but you know if you are using an electric grinder you do need to watch out for overheating which is why i say don't overwork your meat grinder before getting a powerful meat grinder i personally use like a small budget electric meat grinder and i remember one time when i tried to mince over like a hundred pounds of elk meat it was far far more than what the grinder could really handle before overheating and the whole process ended up taking way too long because I had, you know, to take breaks in order to let the grinder cool down again. And then I had to worry about my fat and meat not thawing more. So yeah, that can be a real big hassle. And this is really another reason why I say it's smart to do all of your grinding in a cold environment, like I was saying earlier. Now I get it, you know, you also don't maybe want to be in a cold room the entire time. But that's why earlier I was mentioning, you know, just make sure your meat and fat stays cold and your grinder parts as well if you're doing this inside in a heated room. Okay, that brings me to tip number four. Utilize both rough and fine meat grinder plates. So your meat grinder will have a much easier time if you run the meat and fat through the grinder twice. So don't be afraid to do that. Here's my simple process for this. First, I grind all of the meat through the rough grind plate. And I got my rough grind plate here. You can see in the video if you're watching it. Um, it's a circular blade, a plate, not blade, a plate with a really big holes in it. And that's just going to give the grind a coarse, 
uh, rough texture. And after I run all the meat through the grinder with the rough grind plate, uh, plate I then uh, do all the fat through that. And then once I have all that done, I take the rough ground fat and the rough ground meat and I combine it and I run it through the meat grinder one more time. But this time I'm using the fine grinder plate. Uh, and you can see this plate has a lot more holes and they're really, really small. So that's just going to give you a much finer grind and it's just going to give you a lot better final product. Um, you know, I have done grind just through the rough grind plate, but oftentimes the meat's still going to be chewy, especially if you keep some of that silver skin and sinew and tendons in your grind for the collagen and nutritional benefit. Okay, that was tip number four, but what about tip number five? So tip number five is maintaining your grinder blades for optimal performance. This is super important, and it's an important tip that I overlooked for years. The grinder blade is the knife in your grinder. It does most of the work. It does all the cutting, so it takes a lot of abuse. So make sure you treat it like your favorite hunting knife and keep it sharp at all times. There are many methods for sharpening the blade. You can use everything from a grindstone like I have right here to an electric blade sharpener, but the simplest method is using good old sandpaper. Although, you know, this can take some time and elbow grease, it's probably the most budget-friendly version, and, uh, you know, you can get good results with it. It's going to take a little longer. If you have a kitchen knife sharpener like a grindstone, how I'm holding up right now here in the video, um, you know, that's probably going to be your best option if you have the money for like an electric uh, knife blade sharpener or you already, or you already have one at home, that's going to be probably the fastest and most efficient way. Also, my friend and top chef, Will Morton, he had a great recommendation for me. And he said that having several grinder blades is really ideal. And I think that's a great tip because he uses a separate grinder blade for each grinder plate. His reasoning was that having a blade for each plate keeps the blades level over time, and then you won't get as much smear from the fat or meat, which I think is, is a good idea because, you know, when that grinder is going, everything needs to be in there assembled correctly and tight so that, you know, things don't get wrapped around the knife blade in weird ways or around the auger and whatnot. So having a different blade for each plate is a great tip here, I thought. Also, remember how I mentioned keeping the meat partially frozen earlier? Well, in large part, that's because par-frozen meat can actually keep your grinder blades from dulling. So if you use the par-frozen meat, they're going to almost like sharpen themselves as you go. All right, my last tip, tip number six, is proper equipment care before and after grinding. Once you clean everything thoroughly after the grinding process, it's important to store your equipment properly. That way you're ready to go without complications the next time. I like to store my grinder blades and plates in separate Ziploc bags or Tupperware containers, and I also coat them with a thin layer of avocado oil, or if you have it, food-grade silicon spray. I sometimes use this from Lem, but usually, you know, avocado oil is probably the better option, and that way you're also not introducing any chemicals or whatever. Not that I think this is bad at all. It's food-safe, food-grade safe, and whatnot, but avocado oil works just as well, and it's probably a bit cheaper. But yeah, you, you want to keep everything lubricated while you store it. Also, I sometimes, you know, recommend just taking your blades if you have multiple ones and putting them in zip, separate Ziploc bags or separate containers. That way, you know, just, there's less chance of them rubbing against each other, rubbing metal against metal and the uh, grinder plate uh, blades dulling. Also, 
a very important equipment or part of your equipment of your grinder assembly that I haven't mentioned is the auger bushing. So I have my grinder auger here. Kind of looks like an ice fishing auger, a big drill. And this will sit inside your grinder when you assemble it fully. And there will be a bushing on the back of it, a little nylon bushing. I don't have it on my auger here right now because for my grinder, you actually insert it in the tunnel um, where you put the grinder, uh, the auger, the grinder auger in when you assemble everything. Now, always make sure that you have the auger and auger bushing assembled correctly. That's because the bushing really keeps the grinder blade pressed tight against the plate. So when everything is assembled, and you just don't want any wiggle room or empty spaces in there. You want to have everything as tight as possible. And for that, the bushing is super essential. Uh, you know, I have in the past forgotten to put it on and it just does not do well at all. Your grinder is not going to run properly. Also, just like your blades and plates and everything else, you want to keep that bushing clean and lubricated. So in most cases, you can simply like take a wooden dowel and hammer and just pop it off the auger and then, you know, clean and dry it and then spray it down with some uh, of this food grade silicon spray or just, you know, put some avocado oil it again before you reassemble everything. All right, that's it. Those were my six tips. I will give you one final seventh tip, I guess. And this tip would be to keep your fingers out of the meat grinder. Super important. Safety when grinding meat is super, super essential. You don't want to be losing that trigger finger. Otherwise, you won't be able to hunt. Now, by following these tips, you should have a smooth and fast meat grinding experience. Plus, you'll end up with a premium ground meat for you and your family. What's better than that? In your pursuit of food self-sufficiency and the quest for nutrient-dense, honest meals, mastering the art of meat grinding is an invaluable skill. Remember every step in the meat grinding journey from keeping ingredients ice cold to maintaining your grinder plates and blades plays a vital role in achieving the perfect grind. It's a journey I've personally embarked on many times and I'm pumped to share some of the insights with you here today. As you experiment with flavors and textures, you'll come to appreciate the art of meat grinding as both a culinary adventure and a step towards self-sufficiency. Okay, I hope you learned something new today. Make sure you hit that follow button and the like button if you're watching this right now. For more info like this, I would really appreciate that. Also, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I will send you my free food preservation ebook. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your review and then send it over to me. You can do that on Instagram. My handle is at Poldy Wheeland or over on X, formerly Twitter. The handle there is the year of plenty. And I also have an email address, which is the year of plenty at gmail.com. So just send me a picture of that review and I will send you a download link to my food preservation ebook. Also, don't forget, Montana Block is giving you as a Year of Plenty podcast listener 15% off their entire selection at emptyblock.com. Just use the code Year of Plenty at checkout. All right, my friends, until next time, let's keep exploring real food together.